0: Hello, I'm Marco Zaza, and I'm David Zaza. This is Conchitina Died and Other Stories of the East Side. Over the years, whenever our family was gathered around the dining table, I would tell stories about growing up on the east side of Youngstown, Ohio. These are fond memories of my youth of my Italian immigrant parents, and of the shared experiences of family. I hope that some of the pleasure and the sense of the past that I get from telling them comes through in this podcast.
1: It's almost impossible to think of our parents as young people. I've looked closely at pictures of my parents' honeymoon, two people, beautiful in youth and radiant in love. They were in their early twenties, thirty years younger than I am now. But in many of the pictures, I barely recognize them. They are strange and exotic creatures, starring in some movie in some language that I don't speak. And when I do clearly recognize them in some pictures, they are exactly who they are to me, parents, elders to be looked up to. I expect this is always the way with parents, just as how they still see me as their little boy, their sweet, innocent little boy, who is solidly in middle age, who's going gray just a bit, and who possibly is less innocent than they imagine. I've really cherished the long conversations I've had with my dad while making this podcast, And I've learned a lot about him, my mom, and my family's history. But I know there's still so much I can never know. Memories forgotten or buried away somewhere that it would take too much effort to call them back from. And also, the memories kept secret on purpose. Close familial ties don't mean that every detail of our lives is shared with everyone. Or shared with anyone. Some memories are just kept to oneself, tucked away to be looked at in moments of nostalgia or sorrow or whimsy or for a laugh, or even just to be maintained so as not to be forgotten. Memories tucked away like an old letter hidden in a dresser drawer, reminding us of our youth, our young love, our family beginnings.
0: Papa's Letter To friends and acquaintances, my father was a wonderful storyteller, who could make you laugh with his impersonations of those he found fault with. They also found him to be very cordial, generous, and kind. To us, his children, and our mother, he was all of those things in the presence of those acquaintances. But we also knew he was the king of the roost, and the final say in all things concerning anything we wished to do. We knew him as the taskmaster, who required us to report to him as soon as we got home from school, so that he could assign some dreadful chore or other for us to perform. He was never abusive physically, but demanded respect and obedience. He did not shower his children with hugs or other words or signs of affection, although we knew he loved us. He hardly ever saw him to be affectionate to Mama, but we knew he would never allow any harm to come to her. I tell you all this because after Mama's death, among her few small possessions hidden in her dresser drawer, we found a letter written to her many years before. Yes, a love letter from Papa to her when he courted her in Molfetta, Italy. The letter made us aware that this hard-working, demanding taskmaster was once also a young man, very much in love, and able to profess that love with words. February 11, 1920 My dear Pasqualina, I was fortunate to receive yesterday a letter from you filled with such sweet and wonderful words. I am so happy that you are writing to me and I am more than willing to approach first your father as well as your brother Damiano and tell them what I feel in my soul. I am very grateful for the goodwill that you show me. Thus I hope that I will be welcomed into the bosom of your whole family. We are hoping that my mother will recover as soon as possible so that she may come with me to visit your family. Pasqualina, love me truly just as I love you madly, and believe that someday we shall be together for all infinite eternity. From the depth of my heart, I send you my most sincere greetings, your beloved Gaetano.
1: It's a beautiful letter and very romantic and totally at odds with every story I've heard about your father um, in the decades since, the in the, excuse me, century since. This was written 101 years ago. That's right. Which is kind of amazing.
0: Well, it is amazing that my mother kept this letter all those years, hidden in a dresser drawer under all of her personal items. But we found it after her death,
1: and I still have the letter. I'm curious, did you tell your father you found it? No, he would want it. And you wanted to keep it? I wanted to keep it. Did you share it with your siblings?
0: I don't think so. Really? I think I kept it for myself. Martha might have known I had it. Because she just, she's the one who went through my mother's things and she gave me the letter.
1: Okay. Well, aside from Aunt Palma, if, if Aunt Martha knew, then Aunt Palma would be the only one who in the end never knew because... And Nick and Jerry. Nick and Jerry would have seen this book. Yes. So they would have read it here. So they did know. It's a nice introduction because you talk about him being... Kind of gregarious or um, at least very cordial, generous and kind with visitors or associates or acquaintances, but then him being kind of gruff and a taskmaster and not not particularly displaying of his affection he, or love.
0: He did not display affection or love to his children the way we
1: did with ours. Or the way I assume your mother did with you.
0: My mother always displayed, always hugs and kind words. But I want to say this about my father. There were many things about him that displeased us as children. But he was a good man. We knew that he cared about us, and we knew that he would protect us and not let anything bad happen to us. But he did not show this love.
1: Well... Because he didn't show it, it directly. Was, he didn't he show it sh- directly. He showed it by protecting by he, the family. And right.
0: And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that he was uh, brought up in Italy, and that was the way men acted in, it, in, in his hometown. I'm sure his father acted that way with him, and he acted that way with us. But underneath it all, he was a very generous man when he wanted to be. And he was very loving when no one was around. Mm. I can remember him taking me on his knee and helping me to read the Italian newspaper and correcting me when I said a a word incorrectly. I could read at an early age, and uh, he wanted me to learn Italian, and he thought the best way to do that was to have me read his Progresso newspaper. That's what
1: it was called. Was that an American paper? It was published in the United States,
0: in New York or New Jersey. I'm not sure where. And he received it one or two days after it was published in the mail.
1: And then I remember when we were 20 years ago putting the blog together and this story came up, your Italian or even your Molfite's dialect was not enough to translate the letter, and we had it translated right. by someone. Do you recall who that was?
0: Yes, it was Caterina uh, Rella, a friend of ours here in Wilmington, who is is a native-born Italian, married to an American, of also of Italian descent. And I took the letter to her, and she translated it for us word
1: for word, and that's what you see in this book. And I'm assuming this is written in dialect, so she was able to kind of parse it? No, or? it wasn't
0: written in dialect. My father had some education and he wrote in Italian. Huh. Nice. I don't know that you could write in dialect because...
1: Right. I mean, you could, but it would be sounded out. It's not yeah. a, necessarily yeah. a written language. And
0: I don't know that anyone else would understand it. Well, another... Another, another wolf native... I mean, would this, understand was, it. this yeah. was
1: in that town. That's I mean, true. he wrote it to her... From within the town himself, he was... It
0: had it been written in a dialect, uh, Katerina would never have been able to translate it for me. Right. Did your mother read and write? She uh, could read, not English, she could read some Italian, and she could write a letter. She wrote to her brothers often, mm-hmm. but she didn't have any education past first or second grade. Right. And she only had as much education as was needed to get her citizenship here in the united states
1: and as we'll hear in a later story about immigration things were not quite as strict back then as no, they, they were, were anyway they so were she, she most likely she could get her citizenship simply by having been here and yeah, having been exactly you know, she, exactly and she, she wouldn't have to go
0: through any big tests or anything right, and like she that.
1: immigrated legally and it was more of kind of just a process yes. than it was like a Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard for me to picture this whole situation. I mean, 101 years ago, two young people, oh, how old are they at this time? Well, my mother was born in 1898. So she's 22 years old. Right. And your father was around the same age. He was
0: five years older than she was. He was born in 94. He was four years older
1: than her. He mentions in the letter that his mother was ill. Apparently, yes. I don't know any more about that. In fact,
0: just what's in the letter.
1: Right. It's interesting, just given the the context of where we are now in the spring of 2021 and the COVID-19 pandemic, and our conversation a couple weeks ago, including my extended conversation with Stephanie about immunizations and vaccines and all of that, this is two years after the 1918 influenza pandemic, and just because that's on my mind, because of the times we're in now, and because of this line about um, his mother having been ill, did they ever talk about the pandemic or did they have any no, i don't I don't even know that they were aware of the pandemic. My mother used to say things
0: like, "So and so woke up one morning and had pains." And by that night, she was dead or he was dead. Mm -hmm. They really didn't know what killed them. I'm sure things like cancer existed at the time. And and they knew they were sick for a long time and then they died. But they didn't have a name for all of the different diseases that we have today.
1: Well, especially in a small town in southern Italy, they may very well have been affected by the flu pandemic in 1918, but wouldn't necessarily even know. That that's what it was. That's right.
0: And we never knew how or why my mother's first child
1: died at the age of three. It could have been... It could have been anything. I mean, what year was that? What year were they married?
0: I think uh, in 1925, I think they were married.
1: So five years after this letter.
0: Right. Well, they had long engagements at that time.
1: Yeah. And then this child would have been born shortly thereafter and died three years later
0: my father and mother got married my father left her pregnant came to the united states she had the child my father went back he knew that child left again before she died he came back to the united states okay then the child got sick and died
1: and then he returned again
0: back and once again impregnated my mother And left... And left again. And never saw Martha until she was three years old in the United States. Right. He used to make a deal of it going back and forth. Well,
1: it was a big deal, actually, at that time.
0: I don't know if I ever told you this, but my father was best friends with my mother's brother, Damiano, and that's how he got to know my mother. So they were were tight friends, my father and Damiano, Bella Pianta, and... Through Damiano, he met my mother. But of course, back in those days, you only met; you didn't have any relationship of any kind. They didn't. They weren't going to the prom. No, they were not. And still, it required for his mother to go with him to her parents to re, to ask for her hand in marriage. This would
1: have been after just a handful of meetings, or well, he would be aware of her because of his friendship with Damiano, and
0: she was aware of him because she used to tell us a story. She would tell us that she would be sitting in the front of their home and my father would walk by and say good evening to her, but that's all, and keep walking. <laughs> and she never responded because it was not ladylike to respond. Right. So she knew him to see him, and she might have had designs on him too, but he definitely had designs on her. And so when the time was right and his mother could go with him, he approached her parents and asked for her hand in marriage.
1: Listeners should know that there's a photograph of my grandfather's love letter posted on Conchatinadied.com. We've been posting pictures along with each episode as it airs, and some others get posted to Instagram as well, account Died. Follow us there. This week, my sister Stephanie helped me pull together some questions for my dad. Thanks, Stephanie. The story and the memories, though, are all Marco Zaza. Next week, we're starting a series of episodes retelling my grandparents' immigration stories. All four of them came from Molfetta, Italy, but in fact, each story is quite different from the others. We'll start with Marco's mother, Pasqualina bella pianta zaza. So look sharp for Mama Marco and I'll talk to you next week.